In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Forty years ago this spring, my life's direction veered towards the vocation and the priesthood. By that September, I was enrolled in seminary, a postulant for holy orders. A year from now, next January the 4th, I turned 65. The following day, the 12th day of Christmas, is a Sunday. On that Monday, I will retire. We had a funeral here two days after Christmas. For the service, I chose a reading. I had never used at a funeral before. From Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. From now until next January the 5th, there are 365 mornings, including what's left of this one, to see what mercies God will have in store for us with me as Dean of Trinity Cathedral and will not waste them. The funeral on December the 27th was for a talented young woman who had grown up here. Caroline Chestnut Hannah is her name. And my homily at that service for, Han for Caroline began like this. YouTube throws songs at us that it thinks we'll like. And not long ago, it gave me For a Dancer by Jackson Brown on an old fuzzy video of a tribute concert for Lowell George of Little Feet. Lowell George was one of the great music talents of my generation who lived too recklessly and died too young. Brown wrote For a Dancer for someone else who had died too young. It's a lament. I don't remember losing track of you. You were always dancing in and out of you. I must have thought you'd always be around, always keeping things real by playing the clown. Now you're nowhere to be found. This is a funeral for a dancer. This church and its school were Caroline's stage when she was young. As dancers go, her form wasn't willy-nilly. It was trained, precise, stretching for perfection. She was a ballerina. Bernard Taper, writing on ballet, calls it an ancient code of movement, striving for a particular kind of beauty. I would like to show, George Balanchine once said, that these bodies of ours, which for most of the time are used for dull and ordinary things, can be beautiful, really beautiful. The purpose of the classical technique was to realize the grandeur and the grace that was potential in the human form. But as Balanchine also used to say, first comes the sweat, then the beauty, if you're very lucky and have said your prayers. For a Dancer is a beautiful song, the prettiest Jackson Brown ever wrote, in my opinion. About death. The lyrics are agnostic. This is a verse that I did not quote at Caroline's service. 
I don't know what happens when people die. Can't seem to grasp it as hard as I try. It's like a song I keep, I can hear playing right in my ear that I can't sing. I can't help listening. I didn't quote that part because concerning death and what comes after, I am not agnostic. There is a saying that goes round the church, the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. I first heard that from the writer Anne Lamott. Only half of it is true. It is true that faith is not the opposite of doubt, but nor is faith opposite to certainty. I am following Thomas Aquinas here because his thinking wasn't willy-nilly. It was classical and trained, striving for the true, like a ballerina stretching for an ideal of beauty. You've heard this before, but let's review. For Aquinas, certainty is knowledge. I know that such and such a thing is true, and I see why it's true. I can see why two and two make four. With respect to that, my mind is at rest and can move on to other things. Doubt is the opposite of that. Doubt is when, respect to such and such a thing, my mind is equally divided. It may be true, it may be false. I lean towards neither view. If the mind begins to lean, we call that suspicion. Now I suspect that such and such a thing is true. But I understand that I could very well be wrong. Leaning harder, I now have an opinion. I'd bet that such and such a thing is true. For example, I would bet that when we die, we are not destroyed. Instead, we see the Lord. The amount that anyone would bet depends upon the strength of their opinion. I would say that I had bet my last 40 years of work and study on the opinion that when we die, we live. And actually, it's more than an opinion. Faith, according to Aquinas, is a hybrid state, blending knowledge and opinion. Unlike doubt, it leans, sometimes very strongly. The firmer the faith, the more it leans. And that is the case with our faith that when we die, we live. There are many good reasons for believing it, and they come new every morning. Today is the Feast of the Epiphany. My announcement at the beginning of this sermon was a small e epiphany, the disclosure of something that, had I not told you, you would not have known it. You might have suspected, strongly or firmly, for such reasons as, well, he's getting old. Or his father retired at 65. Or I bet he wants to write a book. Maybe there was a betting pool. But now you know. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born the king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. That is the capital E 
Epiphany of Christmas, the birth of God incarnate. Paul says, in former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind. Some might have suspected or opined what God is like, but now, through faith in Christ, in that blended way, we know. My ministry has been normal with two exceptions. One exception is that I carved a large chunk of time out of parish ministry in order to go back to school and earn a Ph.D. I thought that that would take five years, which is what it took for Dr. Hoke. I am a slow learner, and it took me ten, which I learned is also the average. That is a long time to put your head in books, especially when you aren't going to write books and teach seminary classes, which, as it turns out, I haven't done. Nine-tenths of what I learned those extra years would bore you. For me, it has worked as ballast. I don't have certainty on things about which we can't be certain, but I am certain now, coming out of that pile of books, that we can be confident in faith that steadies the boat in rough seas. The other way that my ministry has been an exception to a rule is that I've carried it out all in one state, Arkansas. For an Episcopal priest, that is a little bit outside the norm. I wasn't opposed in principle to the idea of answering a call to another state, but whenever I opened one of those search committee envelopes or emails, I never felt anything other than, nope. I don't know why this is, but whatever the reason, it runs deep. I was called to stay put. Looking over the horizon, I will be retiring in place in Little Rock. Come next year, I will need to worship elsewhere for a good while, staying out of the next dean's hair. Our granddaughter and our pledge will stay at Trinity Cathedral. Why? Because Trinity Cathedral is a light in Little Rock, a beacon of faith. Because Julie and I met and fell in love here. Because we were married at this altar, as were our children. Because Rosie, our granddaughter, will be baptized at this font. Because I was ordained here in 1982. For us, this is home, and I more than suspect that when God finally calls for us up yonder, we'll be here.